Welcome to the Three to Ten Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years, exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he is a bit more coherent when he is running. <laughs> I just heard a rooster. Happy Father's Day, actually. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Reed. <laughs> we are not hearing your running footsteps. So give us an update on what's going on. Well, due to some feedback, we're trying a non-running uh, version, maybe with less noise. And uh, although I'm walking in my kind of backyard trail and it goes by the chicken coop, so we're going to get some rooster noise, probably. But that should be about it. But that's what's going on. You probably hear that I have a little cold. And so, yeah, I guess stop wearing masks all the time and being careful about washing your hands. And then a virus goes through the house. And so everyone's been sick and um, non-COVID, but had a little cold. So, yeah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm fine. That has not happened to us yet. Um, but I have to say, you know, I'm a big This American Life fan. And there have been many an episode where Ira Glass has recorded while congested. So I feel like you're following the okay. footsteps of some of the podcast okay. giants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Um, so we're doing this, you know, we were going to meet yesterday, which was Juneteenth, and but, you know, still on the weekend. And I think we'll revisit that. And I, I want to tell you a story <clears throat> that uh, is interesting. So uh, I've been on this regional school district school committee, which is made up of nine people, um, two elected from each town that the school district serves. So this serves the middle and high school age kids for three towns which have their own elementary schools and then there's one representative from each elementary school that makes the nine people and um some of the people are new and some are returning superintendent has been there for i think he's been here now for three years and maybe has a couple years left on his contract um and been just trying to pay attention to what's going on in the district and trying to learn my way around. And I think you're aware that the 
four districts, so the three elementary districts and the regional school district, collectively through a grant, were able to hire a director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. She started about a month ago, um, a black woman who had been an assistant principal in another city in Massachusetts. And <clears throat> she has begun to basically do a like a listening tour type of thing, like just talk to as many people as she can about what's going on in the schools, just kind of getting the lay of the land. Um, and so the superintendent decided at the last school committee meeting to have her do, just basically introduce her to the school committee and do a very surface level introduction without giving any real data of what she's been gathering, you know, but just kind of say hi type of thing. And so she did that. And one of the school committee members who in the past has said some things that at least from my perspective seemed, well, they, I don't know how to classify them other than they seemed pretty kind of conservative positions, let's put it that way, was saying things like, where is this going? And literally kind of using that language, where's this going? Um, and another person who has been on the committee for a while was saying things like, you know, something like, you know, what's the issue? They were using <clears throat> language that was, they weren't naming anything, but using language that you can infer from was kind of like, uh, the way I inferred it was, why are we talking about race? There's no race problem. What, what's the big, why are we even kind of listening? Why are we spending time on this race issue? And they didn't say that, but that's what I kind of heard. And this is really gets kind of interesting. In the midst of these kind of random statements that were kind of um, unclear, but had this undertone to them. This guy says, yeah, we're not going to do critical race theory. And I was like, well, I can't believe we just had this happen. Like all this woman did, this black woman stood up and ex introduced herself and just explained, hey, I'm going around talking to people. It's been nice to be in the district and I'm going to be gathering data and sharing it. And in the midst of this, he's basically saying we're not doing critical race theory. So um, no one says anything. And so I was like, all right, it's time to step into this a little bit. And so, you know, we have these, we're, we're, in, this big, we're in this big library, social distancing with masks on, the whole deal still. So we're speaking into microphones. I get the microphone and... I'm like, okay, let, let's, be, let's be clear here. Like, because there was also this question of like, what's this curriculum? What do, like, 
what is this person doing? And it's like the district, like this idea of having a director of diversity, equity, inclusion is not a new thing. It exists across all sectors increasingly. And all we're doing is kind of catching up to what is going on in the rest of the world, rest of the country. And the work this person's doing, she's the director of diversity, equity, inclusion. That's what she's doing, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And <clears throat> I, I don't know if I said anything very profound other than trying to just support that this thing has legitimacy, this idea of a DEI, and that the, it, it's not something that we should be kind of worried about or think is like this fringe thing. So anyway, that's the story. Let me pause there. And I, um, yeah. First of all, I, I want to say, I, I, so as we have talked before, I pay attention to some school board, other school committee and school boards uh, elsewhere. And maybe with hiring the DEI person, in some ways, you just said you're kind of catching up with, with what's going on elsewhere. But I will say this. I think as a school committee, you are right in the middle. You're not doing any catching up. You're right in the middle of where I think school committees are all over the country right now. Um, mm -hmm. So you mentioned critical race theory, which I, we may not get into too much here, although some people may not even know what that is, because I think if you're paying attention in the education realm, all of a sudden in every school committee meeting in the country, somebody's coming and, and bringing that term. And they're bringing that term because it's yeah. being weaponized by the right to scare people about race. Right, um, right, right. And it, it, that is a term I didn't know a year ago, although I certainly knew, and we've been talking about the concepts, but that term is being specifically used on the right to, and again, I'm just sort of saying the right is a sort of shorthand, but that term is being used by people who don't want conversations about race going on. Right. Um, and okay. I have heard it, that exact um, sort of question brought up in public comment in multiple board meetings, uh, school committee meetings that I've listened to, where, where there's nothing even on the agenda. And the idea that there is some yeah. nefarious curriculum, this idea of curriculum, <laughs> is huge. Like people, I think part of this is about fear. People think there is some secret curriculum going on in schools. When actually I would say, let's get the secret curriculum and start implementing it. But right. it's, <laughs> there is this huge misconception that there is this secret indoctrination going on in schools. When I think in, in fact, almost the opposite is generally true. But um, yeah. so anyway, that's my quick response that in, in the last couple of weeks, what you just described, I've seen recorded in two other board meetings that I could that I could show you the recordings of right now. Um, and people uh, starting to, to sort of use these code words, this coded language. Code. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's code. It's code. And it's not even like subtle code. It's like, you know, <laughs> that's what, and that's kind of what I was calling out in this meeting. I, I said something like, I, you know, you're taught, we're using words like this or issue or, you know, it's what we're talking about is diversity, equity, inclusion. Let's, 
the the veiled code, the dog whistle, right? I mean, that's kind of the term, right? The dog whistle, the and the and the, this kind of wet. I like how you use that weaponization of critical race theory. I mean, it was like I I was like, wait a minute, is this a? Am I in the twilight zone? Some like this really is happening, and um, it almost was. It's cliche, like what's ha- what happened. Uh, that I think that's kind of what you're saying too. Like it's happening all over, and, and it was so clear to me that this person had no idea what he was talking about. That, but clearly, just was like this is a way for me to dog whistle. This is a way for me to like pounce on this. And it was gross because, it, you know, you be, we're um, a hugely majority white uh, school committee, although the chair, the newly elected chair, is a young man who attended the school system. He's only in his mid-20s and is a person of color. That's interesting. Um, and the school committee representative from the, student, from the students is a black young woman but you know it was just kind of gross like the white fragility and white supremacy just kind of thick in the room but you have people of color there too and it was just gross Uh, i'll pause for a minute but i have a thought about kind of connecting the dots between this experience and some other things we might want to touch on you We've touched multiple times over this last year about your journey kind of starting with some level of community organizing and Jana really being involved in that and you then running and and getting onto the school committee. Uh, It seems to me like you have the potential to serve a really important role because nobody else, I mean, you were the person that kind of spoke up at that moment, right? Yeah. And right. so, yeah, no one was going to say a thing. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, when we kind of talk about like trying to figure out how are we showing up in different ways, this is going to be a test and an opportunity for you to try to figure out how to show up because you might be the only one who's going to push on that. Um, I've, I've seen, I've seen school committees go the other direction and sort of back after that moment that you described kind of back down. Um, and so you might have to be the one that prevents that from happening. Uh, we're going to yeah. see. I think at the next meeting, I've been thinking about this, um, you know, there's kind of an other business section at the end. And I thought I, I'll probably just have some prepared remarks that basically just reemphasize in a clearer way my support for this work and the importance of not dog whistling. That's the way I like, if you have something to say, say it, say it clearly. And no, you, we're not going to, you know, it kind of calling people out on being ambiguous and, and trying to uh, say things in code, um, which I just think is kind of weak and not, and never going to get at, you know, what needs to be surfaced. There needs to be some tension that uh, surfaces in order to have some growth in this space. It's not going to be pretty. It doesn't need to be ugly, but it doesn't, it can't be, we can't just be silent. Silence, 
is, as Jonna says, silence is violence, and silence in this case is also real complicity, I think. And so I think it's important that there's like a constant, I think that will be a role I will play as like just bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up anytime it seems it at all present. You're going to have to figure out how to, or, you know, when, when we talked to Jonna uh, on this, she really was speaking about the, the work will not, it, th these conversations will not be comfortable. And she actually, I remember, talked about almost rejecting the idea of sort of a safe space for hard conversations. Like it's not going to necessarily feel safe because people are going to be uncomfortable. Right. Now, the right. interesting thing is you're in a, you know, you're in an elective body that kind of has these sort of norms of how it traditionally right. operates. And so, and what what's interesting, I think we all, or I mean that way, I would say I get very frustrated when you watch any kind of politics and people are just kind of screaming at each other from opposite sides of the aisle. So it's also going to be, a, you know, you're going to have to make decisions about how much are you antagonistic versus how yeah. much does it feel like you're trying to work with the other people that are there with you? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, these are all, this will be really interesting to watch over the next year. And I, in the, in the short term, I think it's not about working with or antagonizing. Mm -hmm. It's just saying what's true. Like just, just kind of being clear about what we're actually talking about, like, like uncovering the, the uh, opening the box, so to speak. So that we're not pretending or coding or dog whistling, but we're actually like being honest about what we're talking about. Um, and yeah, I think those things just haven't been brought up publicly. And I think that's what my first step will be. But, you know, what I was going to say is like, you know, we, you did a great job of sending me a list of you, you reflected back on the past year or so. This is basically, you know, maybe you want to speak about like you, your process of looking back. This is kind of like the last episode of the first year, right? That's kind of how we're framing this. Yeah, I think um, what we've decided is sure. that we're kind of think of this in terms of years that go with a traditional school calendar. And school calendars right. essentially end in, in June. And by July 1st, especially if you're sort of in school leadership roles, you're, you're, you're planning and working on the next year. So as this evolving podcast continues to evolve, we're sort of thinking of this is the end of our, of our first season. And um, when July will be rebooting, this is episode 17 of our first season and i think it's uh, our our season finale so wow yeah. yeah 17 episodes that's pretty good in almost a year i mean we started it's been about nine months of recording which is pretty cool so there's a couple things on my mind one is mm -hmm. i i want to talk about juneteenth for a minute and some weird not weird yeah some strange kind of paradox we're living in with in this weekend and then uh but let me just name, you went back, you kind of pulled out all of the things we said we were gonna do. Very few of them did we do. 
Um, and I just want to name, like, I think <laughs> the, that's okay. I think you, you know, you, you have aspirations that serve as things that motivate and, or, you know, kind of give direction, but it doesn't, you know, I don't think it's like a tick the box. I did this or didn't do this. I like the spirit of being aspirational, of brainstorming, but also being open to the direction that life takes us. No, and, and I actually, as I was looking back, you know, often at the end of episodes, we kind of give ourselves homework or say, let's think about this. I don't think we did too badly on that. I mean, there were a okay. few things, you know, you, we, we talked about this, this run you were going to do around the election with people from different political, yeah. you know, so we didn't pull off a, a, a 5k in the middle of a pandemic that brought, you know, <laughs> libertarians and, and Marxists together. But I think uh, that that's okay. Um, and, and a lot of the things we talked about were uh, reflective pieces. You know, we, we challenged each other to kind of be thinking about and paying attention to. And we're going to continue to come back to some of those things, I think. So, um, and I think, you know, one of the things we, we talked about a lot were the possibility of having other people come on. And I think we're still committed to that. I mean, we talked to John and I thought that was wonderfully informative to the conversation. And I, and we talked about, you know, having my wife and my son continues to pester me about when he gets to be on the podcast. So, um, you know, I, I think we have opportunities to do those things moving forward. So I, I actually don't even feel like we've done that badly, but you know, it's important for people listening to know that when we say, oh, maybe we'll do this. It's not like we have this amazing arc and we're recording these things an hour before we broadcast. I mean, a, a year before we we put them out so that we can edit out anything we didn't mean to say. This is really these are just right. real conversations between two guys. <laughs> so there's a thing that has been on my mind, uh, which I think is like so relevant to education. So, all right, we the country you know, president just signs this uh, law to make Juneteenth a federal holiday, like literally the day before it's actually a holiday. It was yesterday and the day off was the day before that. You should, so what is, just remind me, what is Juneteenth? Like, let's just be clear about that. You know, I think what's important is like before this week, I could vaguely say what it is, but now I could more specifically say, because I've read more, the uh, acknowledgement of the freedom of enslaved people in Texas that was over two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, even a few months after the end of the Civil War, because basically the information either hadn't gotten there or the people that were enslaving kind of kept it to themselves until uh, there was a order by the military to um, free the enslaved people, and this was specifically in Texas. Do I have that right? Yeah, I I yeah was, that Ga- right. Ga- Galveston, Texas, was was the place where the the Union soldiers kind of went in um, in 1865, and essentially, theoretically, um, let the the final group of enslaved people uh, know that actually they legally weren't uh, forced to be in servitude anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I have to say, I, I got to believe there were still some people um, who were who were holding, 
humans captive beyond that somewhere in the in the woods yeah. of America. But that's a side issue. Yeah. Well, I just you know what it brings up for me is just like how little I personally know about history. Mm-hmm. How this was Juneteenth has been a holiday that people have been celebrating in parts of the country um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. For and for I guess well over a hundred years, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know, as as a white person in, from New England, like really having very very little information about it, and and now also yeah, just kind of process it, it processing that ignorance <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, and realizing like you know, to think you know what what the history is what's really going on is just you know hubris so i would just say the in one way this week and with juneteenth brought up for me just my lack of cultural awareness um that i should i just think is important to recognize the other piece that just that seemed more like uh well, something I've thought about for many years and that uh, came up at the same time, the same week in Texas is this bill that was approved and, and signed into law that stops certain types of teaching from happening around race in public schools in Texas. And so that's the paradox. I just like, so we have this, this uh, event that's being recognized um, by the whole country and um, that started in Texas. And on the other hand, same week, Texas signs into law uh, something that basically like stops people from really forget about critical race theory, like stops people from doing even more than that. And just it's it's crazy to me. So I just want to. So another thing that we always want to be careful of is that I think there's a perception and New Englanders are probably the, the, the worst on this, white New Englanders, where we like yeah. to talk, think about how backwards the South is. So I just want to name that that's happening in Texas. Guess where else is happening? Right here in New England. Where? So New, New yeah. Hampshire has almost word for word the exact bill going on through their oh, legislature right. right now. And in fact, wow. the lang- so there's a, there's a group called ALEC which is, um, I I just know this through my own work. So ALEC is basically kind of like a membership organization of like conservative state legislators, um, legislators. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they do is they draft legislation on issues and then send it out to their members. And basically carbon copy bills get introduced in every um, state in the the country. They are hard pushing Mm -hmm. on this racial stuff right now. And um, and New Hampshire's bill is advancing. It's been introduced in Maine, but I don't think it's gone anywhere. I don't know about Massachusetts, but so that Texas thing, which in that bill, similar bills have already passed, I think, in Florida and Tennessee. Um, but it's happening even here in New England. Now, whether it'll pass in New Hampshire um, or get further in other uh, legislatures, I think it's in Rhode Island as well, actually, it's being debated. But this is not a southern backwards, you know, thing. This is everywhere. I appreciate that. And honestly, I also, you know, 
don't quite understand. I've only read enough to be dangerous in terms of understanding exactly <laughs> what it's saying and not saying, but it seems, it seems restrictive yeah. regardless. And that just seems, you know, there was a very specific moment in time when I was at teacher's college getting my master's in curriculum and instruction and exposed to this uh, idea of teaching students to critique the social order. And that, that statement, critique the social order, just sticks with me all the time as the thing that is most important. Hmm. And uh, that we, we should never be settling that our, our social order is a done thing. No obviously, yeah. especially yeah. in this moment. And um, where, and so to me, you have a bill like the, these, it basically is like the anti-critique, the social order bill. It's yeah. like, don't critique anything. <laughs> and we're not, and, there, and in fact, we're, there's certain things you can't even talk about. But yeah. do you know more about it than, like, what do you know? Give me the high level of what you understand the bill does. So basically, the, the focus on this stuff is really trying to restrict the degree to which they're, they're sometimes using the term critical race theory or uh, teaching about racism and teaching about racism as a systemic problem. And um, Trump's sort of move towards patriotic education, which you remember we talked about this, mm -hmm. like that I think that was sort of the, what they've set up is uh, this fear that what people are trying to do is make people hate America. And then the other phrase right. that I'm hearing over and over again, and I think about this because we've talked about it, the critical race theory um, is being uh, talked about as something that is supposed to make kids feel guilty again dog whistle or coded language that's being used is a lot of the maybe not the bill itself doesn't say this but the conversation around it is that trying to make all children feel guilty for being white and mm -hmm. this actually gets right at the heart of um white fragility is about because the idea of feeling guilty would be the most horrible thing now i, I don't think kids should be made to feel guilty about being white, and I don't think they are, but that is like that is becoming, I think, a very effective rhetorical tool that you're going to make my six-year-old feel guilty for who they are, for things that happened a long time ago, and to kind of connect some threads way back. Actually, just looked. Our first episode was August 28th, so it's been ten months. Um, in that you actually brought up a couple different paradigms that define um, some of the tensions we, we face in America. And one of the paradigms you said is how people look at history and whether they think that the relevance of history still reverberates today and that historical things that happened actually have shaped the way um, we interact in the systems we have, or whether history is this thing that we can kind of look back to kind of celebrate our greatness. And it's sort of interesting to know the things that happened before us. And to me, the critical race theory is like shows that paradigm. Like, I think you nailed, that's one way to consider this, that this idea that like, 
I think a lot of, you know, people feel like past is past, right? Slavery ended in 1865. <laughs> Civil rights bill passed in the late 60s. You know, we're, we're done with that. And so people on, you know, your school committee say there's nothing for us to talk about here. History is past. And I think we're saying that, no, it's not. It's actually not at all. It's completely who we are. You know, I'm just thinking that as we move forward here like kind of wrapping up this season looking at the forward to the next i think it's what we thought was a this really intense year of um i don't know how to say it i mean i it kind of it gets summed up in kind of a the black lives matter um kind of surfacing, although it was certainly there before, I think are about to enter a whole other thing moving forward now. This is just, we're, we're just at another inflection point now moving forward. Um, and I think there's a lot to unpack and maybe, you know, especially as this new school committee year comes up and new school year of like, as the pushback increases, I, I guess I'm trying to say that I, I feel like we're at a point where things are about to get even more intense, just in a different way. It's like kind of the backlash against the Biden presidency and the types of things that are being uh, allowed. Now there's a kind of a hard pushback to squash it down. Well, I'll say two things kind of to wrap up the way I'm thinking about this that connect both to these conversations we're having in the national moment. One, on a personal level, when we started this, I kind of thought, hmm, I mean, how many different conversations can we have? Like how, what are we going to talk about over time? And what what is very clear to me is that we'll never, we're not going to run out of things to talk about. And in case you know, in, in some cases we can, we can go deeper, but we always as white, straight, New England, middle-class males in 2021 will have processing and reflecting to do for three to 10 years and beyond. So one is like, I've really come to understand that deeper over the course of these conversations with you. The other thing is, is that whether we want to think that the long arc of history bends towards justice or not, it's a long way before it's going to get there in America. And I think backlash is the right word. I think, you know, just this, if we thought we were going to emerge from last summer's, you know, summer of protests, uh, more unified we are woefully mistaken. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there are more divisions. I think the divisions are just continue to be made clear. And so I think it's more important than ever that we all figure out what's our role in continuing to push forward because the country uh, is not gonna become a better place uh, on its own organically. It's gonna, it's gonna we're going to, to move towards justice and liberation, something we talk, we've talked about a bunch. I mean, we're only going to move towards liberation if we fight and scratch and work um, 
to, to get there. Um, it's not going to happen with people being passive about it. I'm looking forward to continuing the dialogue and I see things like I, I feel like this is going to be a good opportunity for me to think out loud and think with you about things going on both in my work um, and at the school committee and personal life uh, as well and with the kids. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, this year maybe it's just like kind of built a foundation to jump into a lot more depth. Maybe that's one way to think about it. I like that. Let's do that. Let's keep doing that. Keep pushing each other and go deeper. It's good. And occasionally, I mean, it is Father's Day. Yesterday was Juneteenth. These are meant to be celebrations as well. So I, uh, yeah. I just appreciate your your friendship. And I do have fun. I mean, I sometimes it gets yeah. a little it gets a little deep, but uh, I do have fun talking to you. So I can't wait till we have our next one and continue continue into season two of this. Yeah funny thing that we're doing. I appreciate, appreciate it, Mark. And I appreciate your friendship. Yeah. yeah. You know, Reed, I was uh, uh, reading something. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit and recognize that it feels a little awkward, but you know, the, I was reading something and it was talking about uh, two married straight men saying they love each other, you know, <laughs> telling their best friend they love them. So I'm going to say, I love you, Reed. Um, and, you know, we don't do that enough in our society. So, yeah, I love you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure knowing you, and uh, I do appreciate these. So there you go. Put it out there. Hey, I, right back. I love you too, Mark. And Joanna will say she's not surprised to hear me say that at all. Um, so, uh, no, it's you're a great friend. I love you too, man. Thanks. So uh, until next time, and... Um, We'll have to figure out if I can run quieter. I'll have to okay. work, work on the quiet feet in a quiet place. Um, well, yeah. Until enjoy the rest time. of your, enjoy the rest of your walk. And I hope you feel better soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode 17 of the 3 to 10 project, Juneteenth, recorded June 21st, 2021. This is our season finale, and thank you for all of those who have stuck with us through our first season. And of course, thanks to Random Chiz for our fantastic theme music this season. We happen to know he is hard at work on new music for season two. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs>